0: Big dumper! Yes! Welcome to Roughly A Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd. Not joined by my co-host, Phil Smiraldo. Phil uh, had some last-minute restaurant problems that he had to take care of, and so I've got it this week solo as we head into the freaking playoffs because it bears repeating he didn't listen to our uh, clinch night podcast the other night where champagne was popped and maybe a little tears were shed. We ended the fucking drought. And uh, the Mariners are going to the playoffs. The only question remaining is who they will be playing. Actually know that they won't be playing at home. It'll be whether they're playing Toronto as the fifth seed or playing Cleveland as the three seed. I certainly have some thoughts on that. And the discussion of Cleveland and Mariners and baseball uh, always reminds me of a famous Ichiro quote about Cleveland where he said I don't know when he said this but he said to tell the truth okay I think I do remember when he said this I I can't tell you the year but obviously each year was a Mariner and the Mariners had to uh, finish the season by going to Cleveland because there was some uh, like rain delay that had happened earlier in the year that forced them to, to have to make up games at the very end of the year in Cleveland probably not a very good Mariners team. Hence the the tone of this quote. So Itro, instead of getting his vacation started early, says, to tell the truth, I'm not excited to go to Cleveland, but we have to. If I ever saw myself saying I'm excited to go to Cleveland, I'd punch myself in the face because I'm lying, (laughs) which is just so beautiful. And I think in this case, I would not punch myself in the face. Uh, I would rather play Cleveland, if I'm being completely honest, and that would probably mean that the Mariners would have to lose out in order for that to happen, and Tampa would have to win out uh, or something very close to that to to pull that off because uh, uh, currently Tampa's the sixth seed and Mariners are the five seed. Toronto scares me. And not only that, Toronto plus Houston is the path forward if you if you do go that way. Um, whereas the Cleveland path, I think, is an easier team for the Mariners to beat um, in Cleveland and then an easier team after that in, in the Yankees. So um, that's just my overall sense on things. But of course, as I said last week, everything is gravy. We could play the, you know... Bronx Bombers, the AL All Stars from 1985. I don't care, right? The Mariners are in the playoffs. I think they have a good enough team to make it interesting, regardless if it's Cleveland or Toronto. But, uh, um, you know, just to say off the top, kind of on team, let's play Cleveland. Anyways, let's get to some news and notes from the last week. Uh, the M's went four and three in the past week, including a loss uh, to Detroit last night. They're actually in the middle of a game, uh, a game one of a doubleheader against Detroit. Uh, And the final game of the season is tomorrow. That uh, final game will be pitched by Marco Gonzalez, which we'll talk about very soon um, with that. The big news coming out of last night was that Sam Haggerty was uh, injured on basically the last play of the game. He was uh, trying to steal a base in the bottom of the ninth with the Mariners down a run, clinging to the idea that the Mariners might be able to uh, to be able to play uh, home home games in in the playoffs, and if they had won that game, and you know he steals the base and they pull it off, that didn't happen. He um, was actually only in the game because Jesse Winker was scratched the night before for uh, unknown, at least to me, and uh, what I was able to find, reasons. So Haggerty kind of in there on mistake gets hurt in that game. It uh, has something go wrong with his groin, probably means he's going to miss at least the wild card series. There's actually talk that he'd miss the entirety of the playoffs, which is um, a huge loss not only because Sam Haggerty is just the the man and has done so much for this Mariners team to get them to this point that it's, you know, it's sad for him not to be there, but he's a piece, right. We've talked about this all year. He is uh, uh, somebody who makes things happen um, when this Mariners team, which can very often find themselves in a dearth of run scoring um, you know, getting Sam Haggerty on the base paths uh, is huge. And not only that, but left field is the defensive black hole, right? That's Jesse Winker. If not Haggerty, uh, which probably means that you're going to have to have some, some Jared Kellanig out there to protect Winker um, in, and as a defensive player, because uh, Winker has just not proven that he can handle it. Whereas Haggerty could and uh, Haggerty hits very, very well against lefties. And and that's huge for a Mariners team that, um, you know, can, can struggle with that. So the seeding possibilities, like I said, uh, fourth seed can happen. Fifth seed um, probably is what's going to happen where they would go to Toronto. Sixth seed is also in play, but again, that involves Tampa basically losing out and the Mariners are uh, winning out and the Mariners losing out and uh other news. Okay. Julio is back. He went three for four with two hard hit 95 plus mile an hour exit velocity hits last night. Looks just fine. Um, And uh, my God, is it nice to have him in this lineup leading off, especially, I just feel like this, this Mariners team needs that Joel needs, the presence on the base paths that uh, that, that Julio can provide the ability to score runs himself to drive in runs Um, regardless of the state of the rest of the lineup, no Haggerty, you know, things like that. I feel just so much better about this team being able to hang with, you know, the the good teams now that Julio is back. So thank God he's there. And I hope that uh, whatever was ailing his back was uh, only kind of minor. And the Mariners were extra cautious with that and ended up uh, being just fine for them in terms of wins and losses and ability to procure a playoff spot. One other bit of news, Justin Hollander is now officially the general manager of the Seattle Mariners, with Jerry DiPoto being the president of baseball operations. It certainly feels oftentimes like uh, Jerry is the the GM because he's kind of the face of uh, the front office. But um, Justin is actually now the guy there. And, and, you know, uh, I think Jerry will continue being that face. But Justin Hollander certainly has done a lot. He's been credited with many, many things, including um, going to get this Luis Castillo extension to happen uh, with the Julio Rodriguez extension. So he has uh, been an integral part of this Mariners um, kind of rise this year, especially, but uh, dating way back to that, there's actually a great story on Hollander that I'll throw in the uh, in the show notes here from Ryan Divish about everything he's done in baseball, basically just a lawyer who was like, no, nah, I don't want to do law anymore. I really want to work in baseball and uh, and did everything he could uh you know from a financial risk point to basically be like an adult intern and just hustled uh to to get to where he is now and uh, made an impression with scott service and jerry depoto when they were in the angels organization and then uh, was brought over when uh depoto and service came here back in in 2015 so um this certainly feels to me at least like a give Justin Hollander the title and the money to uh, make sure that he's a actual GM and doesn't take that job somewhere else, even though it probably functionally doesn't change his job description a whole lot from what he was already doing. So uh, I'm totally in support of that. I was kind of um, fearful for a long time that Hollander would get poached, kind of surprised he hadn't at this point. Um, And I think if uh, the Mariners had not done this, he certainly would have sought a uh, GM role elsewhere. So Justin Hollander um happy to have you on board he is uh for all accounts the man and also a prolific user of the word roughly playoff roster news so this happened right before um right before the the podcast was was recorded this is like objectively hilarious but also deeply um like <laughs> honorable like it feels like a like a like this so, okay, what, what's actually happening, and I need to just get it out of my mouth here. Daniel Kramer of um, MLB.com, who covers the Mariners, uh, had this uh, this tweet earlier today that said, Marco Gonzalez will start tomorrow's regular season finale with the hope that he can at least comp- to... it. Sorry, with the hope to completely empty the tank to create as much rest for the bullpen as possible. As such, it indicates he'll cert- almost certainly be off their wild card series roster. So... To unpack that, Marco Gonzalez will be starting on Wednesday, the final game of the Mariners' regular season. He is going to dump the clip, with like Marco Gonzalez might throw 150 pitches on Wednesday, and that might be the end of his season. Um, with the idea that he's just going to try and go nine innings, no matter how much he gives up, to spare the bullpen and spare the entire pitching staff as much uh, rest as possible heading into the first game of the playoff series, which would be on Friday. And that means that Marco will not be for, for on that wildcard series, which actually, you know, sounds like this um, huge sacrifice that he's making. But if he pitches Wednesday uh, five days after that, anyways, would be like Monday. So he would not even be able to pitch before that, anyways. And the, the playoff series can go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So um, if it ends up being the end of his season, I think it's going to feel a lot more dramatic, but if Marco does this, then there's a chance that uh, or probably a, a very strong possibility that he would pitch, um, in the, the divisional series, if they were able to advance past Toronto or uh, or Cleveland. But in, in terms of this gesture, like I said, deeply funny, right? This idea of, of, a, of a starter just being like, yep, I got it. I'm going to eat all of the shit for this entire series or entire game uh, to just make us through and protect the rest of the bullpen. Like, what a concept. But also, like I said, deeply admirable. It reminds me of at the end of the movie Armageddon, when uh, Bruce Willis's character... And uh, and uh, Ben Affleck's character are deciding or I think the whole crew is deciding, like, who's going to have to stay on the asteroid to blow it up um, so that the rest of the crew can get back. And uh, Ben Affleck's character, who is um, about to be Bruce Willis's son in law, gets this the, the straw drawn on him. So it's going to be him. He has to stay back. But right before he's about to go out there, Bruce Willis uh, cuts his air valve off keeps him back in the shuttle and basically says, you're the son I never had. I'll take it. And he swallows the sword. He jumps on that asteroid. It blows up. He dies. And uh, that's what Marco's doing. Marco's saying, get off. Right. I don't worry about it. I'm going to handle uh, the rest of this. And that's pretty damn cool. Like it's not him winning a playoff game, uh, you know, and having this dominant start in the wild card series and, you know, having this memorable moment, but in terms of team impact, this is huge because not having to have anybody else deal with uh, with extra innings that that last game does help. <laughs> like undoubtedly, it helps. And so, this is just uh, I I'm very curious the conversations that led into that. If he volunteered to do that, they actually drew straws like like Armageddon. Um, but regardless, very cool, Marco, a guy who has got a lot of shit from Mariners Twitter and a lot of shit from this podcast um, for being so inconsistent at times. Um, I think this is, um, like I said, funny, admirable, and uh, if nothing else, extremely helpful to the, the 2022 Seattle Mariners. And I hope that the Mariners do make it through the wild cards that he can uh, pay it forward or have it paid forward and pitch in the divisional series, at least in some capacity. So how playoff rosters work is that they, the team has to declare a 26-man roster before each series. So the current roster, I believe, is a 28. So they actually have to trim the roster to 26. The people who can be on that 26 are anyone who's on the team's 40-man roster, which includes some players who are in AAA, uh, like Kyle Lewis and Evan White and people uh, that you're kind of uh, just considering for that. So uh, God, I wish Phil was here because he's so much better at explaining this stuff, but I'll do the best I can. So the Mariners have to declare this 26-man roster, and there's been scuttlebutt um, and not even that reporting and and quotes from Scott Service basically saying that the Mariners who currently have a 13-man pitching staff would go down to about 10 or 11 For the playoffs um, for that 26 man roster and have a deeper um, offensive bench instead of a deeper bullpen, which makes sense because you're, you're going to only pitch your best guys anyways in, uh, in, in playoff games. And so fringe bullpen guys like Matt Festa or Penn Murphy probably wouldn't even get run if they were on the team, if at all. So as we piece together what this Mariners uh, playoff roster is going to look like, we're going to go with uh, 10 or 11 pitchers and then the rest of it. Um, we'll get figured out here. So just know that, um, as I kind of piece together my bets on the the uh, the 26 man roster here. So obviously, Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, Mark, or uh, George Kirby, Robbie Ray are your four starters that you're going to carry given the um, the absence of Marco Gonzalez in a three game series. Only three of those guys are going to start, but I think uh, it can be very um, confidently said that all four of those will be in there from the bullpen. Paul Seawald, Andres Munoz, uh, duh, those are the, you know, the top two relievers for sure. That's five and six. I think Matt Brash has definitely earned his way onto that staff. Um, That's seven. Eric Swanson, same thing. Eight. I think Diego Castillo makes it on there just in terms of ability to overpower people and that slider still being an elite, elite pitch um, despite his struggles. So that's that's number nine. I think you have Matt Boyd on there as well to have another lefty out of the bullpen, um, which would bring you up to two technically. So you'd have... Uh, Matt Boyd and uh, Robbie Ray technically has a, is a uh, another lefty out of the bullpen. So that's 10 for now. Uh, then two position players, Julio, obviously Mitch Hanager, Cal Raleigh, Ty France. That's 14, uh, 15, Adam Frazier, 16, JP Crawford, 17, uh, Gino Suarez, 18, Jared Kelenic, 19. I think you'd have Kurt Casale as your backup catcher for defensive purposes. I think he's a little bit more trustworthy um, if that's what your priorities are um, than, than Luis Torrens at this point. Uh, Dylan Moore is number 20. Jesse Winker is number 21. And Carlos Santana is number 22. So then there's four spots left. Uh, the the candidates here, you've got Matt Festa, Chris Flexen, Penn Murphy, Luis Torrens, Abe Toro, and Taylor Trammell, and Marco Gonzalez. But I think we can count him out based off of everything we're hearing here. I think you have... Uh, Abraham Toro is, is going to be on this roster. I think he was just called up today um, to replace uh, Sam Haggerty. So I would imagine that he stays with the team. So that's 23, 24. I'm going to say Chris Flexen's probably in there as well, just for for innings if you need them. Uh, so that's your last pitcher, I'd imagine. So that's uh, 24, 25. I'd say they probably carry Luis Terrence, uh for the bat, for the versatility. Um, and just for the handsomeness I think his presence can only uh, add to positive things then the 26 man would be in uh, in my estimation Taylor Trammell, who is spotted with the mariners roster um today so i I think Trammell would be there for the outfield depth now that you don't have haggerty I think uh, Trammell now becomes another potential late inning base runner late inning defensive replacement for Jesse winker um and a guy who can hit righties and that's you know the one thing that I think he, can do at least a little bit. So that's your 26 man roster by my estimation. Um, yeah, Penn Murphy could be on that team. Uh, Matt Festa could be on that team as well, but I think that they would probably opt for Chris Flexen over those two guys, but you never know. There might be some specific aspect of the the team that they're about to play, whether it's Toronto or Cleveland, uh, that they say, yeah, actually it's Festa or Murphy that, um, is a better fit for, for that. So that's my best estimation on the team's playoff roster, but uh, we shall see. So, see if I can go twenty-six for twenty-six. Feel pretty good about that. A couple of things we'll talk about here today, in addition to playoff rosters, the playoff rotation. We know who's going to be on the team, or at least have a, a pretty good guess. But in a wild card series, you have three starters. Who will they be? I'm pretty sure it's all but confirmed that uh, Luis Castillo will be your number one starter, which uh, makes perfect sense, um, and he's he'll be re- well rested for that. Uh, having not pitched for a full five-plus uh, days after um, after the uh, his last start, heading into game one on Friday. I believe Logan Gilbert will probably be your game two starter, um, seemingly no matter what. Again, more of a rest thing than his uh, bet- betterness than Robbie Ray or George Kirby. Now, the thing about Game 3 to remember is that Game 3 is not promised, right? And for one way or the other, the Mariners may have already ended the series or they may have already lost the series by the time Game 3 rolls around. But the question becomes, is it George Kirby or is it Robbie Ray? Tough question. Neither of those guys are particularly hot right now, okay? George Kirby in September has the highest walk rate he's had of any month and the second lowest strikeout rate he's had of any month, right? There's a possibility that he might be running down a bit, right? That uh, that kind of wall, that uh, inning... Limit that was always kind of thrown out there the reason he went down early at the all star break is, uh, is, is finally hitting, which would make perfect sense. George Kirby has never pitched this much in his life, and so if he hit the wall, um, it would be understood. Then there's Robbie Ray, who has the highest FIP this month of any month that he's had as a Mariner. So neither guy is exactly, um, as they would say in, in soccer, in uh, good form right now, heading into the playoffs, but um, the case for case against i guess uh, george kirby was that in his last outing he gave up or sorry in his last outing against toronto he gave up 10 hits in four and a third when he faced them in july obviously still pretty early in kirby's tenure but um definitely not his best start and uh you know with the type of team that toronto is uh, which is a lineup full of righties who are swing happy and love to just destroy um fastballs george kirby's kind of a, of, of a, uh, you know, because he controls the zone so hard, he's going to throw a lot of strikes and uh, Toronto kind of makes their hay on strikes. And so that's, that's a tough matchup. Robbie Ray alternatively had one of his best starts of the season when he uh, pitched against Toronto earlier this year. So um, it's, it's a toss up, right? The, the, between the two of them, uh, Robbie Ray's vaccination status or uh, whatever the deal was there. Don't know if he ended up getting vaccinated. He said he would, if it meant that the Mariners would play Toronto in a playoff series, or he had to for the Mariners to, to, you know, uh, go on to the playoffs, that is no longer an issue because of uh, Canada dropping their vaccination requirement for people coming into the country. So whether Robbie Ray is vaccinated or not, does not matter (laughs) at least for, uh, for the Mariners. So that does not exclude Robbie from, from being this, uh, the expected home run for both of those guys, like uh, Statcast does this on baseball savant. You can look up, uh, basically how many home runs a guy gave up this season and how many they would give up if they pitched all of their pit, uh, games at a different ballpark. They would all, both those guys would have more home runs given up in Rogers Center than, uh, than um, you know, T-Mobile or wherever those they pitch. So, you know, it's, th- there's not a great option here. Um, but the other thing is that Robbie Ray, as I talked about earlier, because he's a lefty, this idea of him in, in a playoff sense as this power lefty coming out of the bullpen, which is really kind of sexy. And it's like, oh yeah, like, Robbie Ray late in the game is so is overpowering with that fastball slider combo. He can kind of crank it up a little bit later in games because he doesn't have to pitch, you know, a full six or seven innings. That doesn't really matter as much if we're playing Toronto because Toronto's lineup is basically all righties. There's a couple uh, lefties who are more uh, bulk or bench players. So Toronto doesn't really have that issue of like, you know, there's lefties that you want to have a specific lefty for coming up late in the game, like you do with uh, a team like Houston that's a different story against Cleveland who has a few more lefties in their, in their lineup, obviously not still a, a fully um, lefty dominated lineup, but either way, if Robbie Ray's in there um, against Toronto, like there's no need for him as the bullpen guy in the same way. So all of this um, and, and also George Kirby, isn't really better against lefties, even though he's a righty um, or, or, or sorry, George Kirby is significantly better against lefties uh, than he is against righties. So he's not even, you know, perfect for the the full righty focused um, uh, Toronto Blue Jays lineup. So it's a toss up. But I think in this moment, because of of Robbie Ray's experience and um, you know just the the I think the usefulness of him, I think he's maximized here as a starter in this particular case when they're playing Toronto. For playing Cleveland, it might be a different story, and there might be different things to look at. But assuming they're playing Toronto, I think I give it to Robbie Ray. Uh, but knowing that the leash is very short and that George Kirby would probably be the first guy in um, to, to come up if things got a little icky for Robbie there. But I also like the narrative. Robbie Ray, game three, uh, back in Toronto, the the place where he won a Cy Young last year. Um, win or lose, I think that's a pretty sexy storyline if it if it does come to that. But the dream situation is not even have to get to game three, uh, which makes game one and game two so awfully important on Friday and Saturday. The other part of this, the dream lineups against righties and lefties, right? So the Mariners... If they, uh, you know, they face a lefty pitcher versus righty pitcher, obviously their lineups are going to change. Toronto will have all right-handed starters: um, Alec Manoa, uh, Kevin Gossman, and uh, Jose Barrios, or uh, Ross Stripling. Uh, probably Barrios though. Those would be their, their three starters. All three of those guys are righty. So um, that lineup, I think, you probably have uh, Julio leading off, playing center field. Ty France second, hitting or playing first base. Mitch Hanniger hitting third in the right field or in right field. Gino Suarez hitting fifth. Sorry, I I have in my notes hitting fourth, playing five, meaning playing third base. Uh, Dylan Moore is, has regardless of the lineup, Dylan Moore has got to be your second baseman. He's flat out a better player. Um, than Adam Frazier at this point. Even if their bat-to-ball skills were equal, D- uh, Dylan Moore is a much better base runner. Dylan Moore has much more power. Um, Dylan Moore is just hitting better. I think it's unequivocal that Dylan Moore has got to start for this team, especially without Sam Haggerty, where they really need a speed punch. Um, So Dylan Moore, I would say hit fifth, play second. Cal Raleigh, big dumper, um, uh, catching, hitting sixth, obviously. Jared Kellenick, I would put him in left, Um, against righties because uh, Jesse Winker has just not been great against righties this year. And, you know, that's unfortunate, but I think i put him there. Carlos Santana uh, as the uh, designated hitter hitting eighth and then JP Crawford ninth um, playing shortstop. Obviously there's probably a little more wiggle room in the bottom half of the lineup. Things might be jostled around, but I like the idea of uh, alternating basically after you get through uh, Gino Suarez, alternating contact on base guy with power guy because the Mariners have this way of, Um, just, you know, two running, two run homering teams to death. And that's kind of the, uh, the way that that lineup would be situated against lefties. It would be, uh, Julio, Ty France, Gino Suarez, Mitch Hanniger, Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh, Jesse Winker, um, would be the, the left fielder there because he's had a lot of success against lefties this year, or I should say more success against lefties this year, Santana hitting eighth and JP Crawford hitting ninth. Much smarter people than me would have a way different lineup and move things around, but uh, I think I, I trust those guys. Either way, Carlos Santana is definitely in that lineup. Uh, if you remember the previous Toronto series that the Mariners had in July, they won that because Carlos Santana uh, saved their ass a couple of times with I think three home runs in that series and two games that were definitely won due to his uh, late inning heroics. So Carlos Santana will be your DH, I'd imagine, no matter what, because his bat is just so valuable. In that lineup and like i said regardless dillmore is your starting second baseman uh adam frazier has been hitting better recently but we've said that too many times this year uh to trust as like a a, a thing going forward and sure adam frazier probably wants to make some money hitting the free agency this year um but uh, i think he's best as a, a, a you know a late inning reserve guy probably defensive replacements um, type situation if you have to move things around or have a pinch runner or, or things like that so that is uh that's that. I think that'll that'll do it for for this season as we talk about getting ready for playoffs. Um, you know, not a whole lot of analysis on on individual games because, you know, we got bigger fish to fry, right? We are focused on the playoffs. I gotta talk to Phil still about what our schedule will be. I think hopefully we'd we'll be able to do something um after game one on Friday nights or um potentially Saturday morning heading into game two and put that out for you guys. But uh, I think after game one and maybe after game three as well, but definitely be back next Tuesday uh, to recap whatever the hell happened over this past weekend, um, which will certainly be one for the books, regardless of what happens. I think um, <laughs> it's, it's just so new. We've had playoff everything else, um, you know, I guess other than hockey and basketball here for a while. Um, but, you know, playoff, playoff Seahawks have, we're all very comfortable with that. We've, we've, you know, gotten used to to what that's like and even bracing ourselves for disappointment as uh, a as Seattle fans, but playoff baseball, if you don't watch it as just a, a casual baseball fan, it is a different level of intensity. Um, every pitch is just nerve wracking. The intensity is up. You're watching different broadcasters than you have all season because the games are now on Fox or ESPN. Um, and it's, it's kind of uncomfortable and it will be extra uncomfortable when uh, it's our team, so buckle up, brace yourselves for that, and uh, I guess we'll keep you posted on uh, the uh, what we end up doing for our our post game reaction pod stuff with this week. But we'll try and get as much as we can out there to uh, to capitalize on on the moment here, and uh, to, especially if there's wins, it's going to be easy to tap on the microphone and just scream um, at each other and and uh, you know fun stuff on on Friday night. But anyways. I have uh, two other things to get to here. It's the end of the regular season. This is the last, roughly, a podcast of the regular season. Uh, so I'd like to bestow the bike ride upon injuries. Um, granted, injuries never touched a Mariners starter all season, That is still incredible, right? There was not a single Mariners start lost to injury at any point of the season. That's incredible. And we cannot hold up over next year as well. But um, obviously, it was very favorable to the Mariners to not have to have uh, a Darren McCocken or just a Sheffield come in uh, due to injury. Now Sheffield will start a game today, uh, but uh, not up to this point when, you know, where the Mariners are actually in the playoff chase, but injuries suck and losing Sam Haggerty now uh, and other guys for various points of the season is just, it's terrible. Um, Baseball rule changes talk about pitch clocks and whatever, find a way to get injuries out of the game, because uh, I can't imagine for Sam Haggerty, how much this sucks to work your ass off for uh, what is it 160 games 159 games and then have the season ended for you probably on on just a stolen base attempt. Um, it's it's so shitty and I feel so bad for him and anyone who you know is is uh, heading into the playoffs injured and wanting desperately to get out there um, and and uh, play in the games that everyone's fighting for. So sucks, Sam and uh, hope. Hope you're back next year because I think um, that he's a, a huge part of this team and this identity and chaos ball and the, the scat backs, um, you know, it's just, it sucks to to lose a guy like Sam Haggerty this late, but the rest of the team relatively healthy heading into the playoffs. So I guess we'll take that. And then my golden hydro of the regular season. There are of course many, many candidates for this. I think uh, big dumper, right? The most home runs for a Mariners catcher. Ever um, the, the biggest home run of the season. Well, there's a lot of big home runs this year, but the biggest home run uh, of the season, a contender for it, if nothing else, uh, the uh, the the game ender on Friday night to clinch a playoff spot off of the hit it here cafe windows was absolutely huge. I mean, Cal Raleigh, you've said it many many times, probably saved the Mariners' season with his ability to hit when uh, very few other guys on the team could, and him kind of becoming Adam Dunn out of <laughs> nowhere. Is uh, what has been huge, and so obviously he's a candidate. Gino Suarez saved the Winker trade from being an absolute disaster, playing fantastic defense, um, you know, filling in and then some for Kyle Seager, who had retired at the end of last season. Uh, his ability to replicate Seager's power and runs, run, run uh, driving inability, and also you know probably even maybe a little bit better defensively at younger, um, and basically what ended up being a salary dump from Cincinnati was huge. So thank you, Gino. Uh, Jerry Depoto, in the front office broadly, including the aforementioned Justin Hollander. Um, th- this offseason signing Robbie Ray, getting Luis Castillo midseason, getting Carlos Santana even before that when the Mariners offense desperately needed some help moving Matt Rash to the bullpen and what felt like a, a odd move at the time, but I think has uh, panned out really well and uh, has added some some beef and um, high octane ability to the bullpen. Uh, that was huge. Extending Another guy that I'm about to talk about here very soon um, in a big contract. So the front office has done a great job. Scott Service riding the ship many times, being steady Eddie, um, the, the the leader of the Mariners, calling out the team when they need to play better, um, and and doing what it took to get them back on track and playing up to their potential at several points throughout the season. Andres Munoz and Paul Seawald, but Munoz especially for just being absolutely nails and becoming one of the best bullpen uh, arms in baseball. Um, when, you know, we only heard so much about him for so long to actually see it materialized and to be as menacing and dominant and, uh, and uh, effective and valuable as he has become and in, in just the, the limited amount of time that he actually plays because he's only a one inning guy. So Andres Munoz has been huge. All of those guys have been huge, you know, just so many moments throughout the year, um, just an incredible year. But the one name I haven't said is uh, Julio Rodriguez. And it is his golden hydro of the season. I, I'm, I'm getting a little dusty talking about this. Julio, I think, embodies what the season was of, uh, you know, we had expectations of what this this year could be. Didn't even go exactly according to plan, but it still worked out and ended up in a great place, in part because Julio was so goddamn good. Um, him being half as good would be awesome. We would be feeling so good about him as, as a future cornerstone of this team if he was merely a two and a half or a three-win player. He is a five-win player, um, according to, to Van you know use of, of war, so F-war, if you will. Five, win, five war guys in Mariners history. Here is the list. Many guys on this list have done it multiple times, but still, Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Brett Boone, Ichiro did it as a rookie, Incred- incredible, uh, but also he's kind of old. Edgar, Robinson Cano, Franklin Gutierrez. That's an incredible one. Kyle Seeger, uh, Mike Cameron, Alvin Davis also did as a rookie, as a rookie, uh, Nelson Cruz. That is the list, right? Either guys who were incredible transcendent players throughout their entire careers or guys who we got at the prime of their careers, like Nelson Cruz um, and and Robinson Cano and Franklin Gutierrez, I guess on that list. And there's 21 year old rookie Julio Rodriguez to round out that entire list. Um, It is incredible. The impact that he's had, that he continues to have, uh, the energy, the fun, the joy that he brings to uh, this team, to baseball, is so refreshing. And and knowing that he is um, he's a Mariner for, forever. There will be a, a young little Brandon, a young little Phil, um, or Fillet, or uh, you know whatever. Of <laughs> we will have children that come to love and know Julio Rodriguez is the face. Of uh, of their dad's favorite baseball team, and um, that's just so cool. And I couldn't be more proud of uh, this team for identifying a guy like Julio and doing everything right with his career uh, to get him to this point. And uh, and then just for him, I mean, you know, the Mariners found him, but God, they found a guy who has worked his ass off to be not just the player, but the the person, the the community member, the the star, this effervescent star. Um, with this beaming smile on his face who dances when he gets onto the field and you know uh hops when he when he hits a single and uh, just just this this bundle of energy and so julio i bestow the golden hydro on you because um you're the man and this season would not be possible without you being as good as you are and it would not be as fun uh without you being as fun as you are so thank you julio and uh let's play some postseason baseball baby friday night or Friday during the day, or Friday at some point, the Mariners will be playing uh, in their first postseason game since 2001. You better believe I'll be watching in some capacity. Um, You've Got to figure out the timing first and all that, but uh, can't freaking wait to um, to 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 see what this is like and to feel it and to be as tense and nervous. And you know, maybe we'll give up a a three run home run in the first inning, and that'll alleviate some some of the ten- tension or um, or what. But it's 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 why we do this. It's why we talk about this all year um it's leading up to to this moment and it's going to be so fun and i appreciate you all for listening Shouts out to elm coffee roasters as well if you want to get yourself some coffee to gear up for the postseason uh you should do that to elmcoffeeroasters.com use the promo code roughly to get 25 percent off of your first order of uh, any of their coffees on uh, on their website they have fat fantastic stuff awesome flavors they rotate all the time definitely worth checking out again elmcoffeeroasters.com promo code roughly if you like what you're hearing from me, uh, that's unfortunate because uh, or fortunate because this is uh, only half as good as it should be. Phil should be back next week and should be back soon. But if you like what you heard from us um, at any time, subscribe to us, follow us, give us a five-star review, helps other people find the show and uh, helps us continue to climb the charts and uh, become you know, the go-to podcast for other Mariners fans. So in the immortal words of Dave Sims, hey now, hey now, hey now it's playoff time, baby. Talk to you soon. Go Eps.